it on his mind. Your neighborhood gives me the creeps. Your neighborhood gives me the creeps. Ooh, your neighborhood gives me the creeps. Welcome once again to Chicago. Unbelievable, all you spooks and kooks, you wild kids, ya. <laughs> you know, every time summer comes around in the city, I love the city so much, but every time it gets really hot and I have a tight book deadline kind of beating down on me, I start like li- wanting to listen to country music and fantasizing about moving to small towns and owning a tractor and stuff. I kind of get obsessed with the music man just about every summer, it seems like. Uh, so actually, we are talking about a guy today who owned the first billiard hall in the city. Uh, certainly, I'm a billiard player. Certainly, always am mighty proud to say it. Um, talking about Ira Couch, you might remember from our uh, one of our early podcasts a few years ago, we were talking about the tomb of Ira Couch in Lincoln Park, the last remaining crypt from the old city cemetery. It's a regular tour stop of mine. And in the years since then, I actually realized a while ago there's a crack under the door. And the door on the couch tomb is not really a door. It's a slab. It's a slab with a handle on it. There's no keyhole, no latching mechanism, no hinges, no place for the door to slide. It's actually welded shut. But I found out there's a crack under the door. So using some really high-tech equipment called the Tomb Snooper 500, which is an iPhone taped to a wire hanger, I was able to get some pictures of what's behind that door. It turns out what's behind the door is another door. Um, I don't know how long the, that other door, the second door behind it, has been um, has been hidden from sight. We're not really sure when exactly that slab was put in place. Uh, we have not seen a couple of. Uh, a couple of newspaper articles that we know that what originally they were just iron bars where the slab is now. So you could have actually looked in and seen the second door. But anyway, from having that on the webpage and in my book, Ghosts of Chicago, I actually was contacted recently by Rachel Williams, a great-great-great-granddaughter of Ira Couch, the man most likely still in the tomb. So... Hector and Aaron and I went out to meet with her. Uh, she told me she had a scrapbook full of stuff related to the family. And uh, what I didn't expect was just what a treasure trove it was. She had a whole box of things, like papers and papers full of uh, legal documents related to the couch estate. Uh, there was a scrapbook of articles related to the tomb. There were telegraphs. There were checks. There were bills of sale. There was, I uh, just put up on the blog, there was a, a whole handwritten list of the wine stock that they had at the Tremont House in 1879. The Tremont House uh, that Ira Couch and later his brother James owned was the first real major hotel in Chicago, the first real palace of a hotel. It also had the first billiard hall on the first floor. Abraham Lincoln held a public reception there after his election in 1860. In 1858, he had given us a version of his House Divided speech, kind of like a preview to the Lincoln-Douglas debates off of the balcony on the Dearborn Street. It's uh, right near where the Alley of Death 
death and mutilation is now. Uh, if you go on the tour, if you ever come on the tour, there's actually a plaque about Ira out there that mentions that Abraham Lincoln used to stay in the hotel. It doesn't mention that John Wilkes Booth did too, but he did. But anyway, Hector and Aaron and I went out to talk with Rachel and a friend of hers at her place out in the suburbs, and we just geeked out completely going through all these papers, all these Victorian papers, all these letters, all these newspaper articles, uh, getting more and more conflicting accounts as to who exactly is in the Tomb of the Couch family out in Lincoln Park. Uh, listen in, this was a lot of fun. Tremont House Stationery, Rockaway Beach. It's sent to yeah, the Rockaway that's the one Beach Club. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then that's where it says Hitchcock Darling and Co. That's where the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the walk, the rock stationery of the Rockaway Beach Hotel. There's a release deed. There's an envelope somewhere in here addressed to my great grandmother, and it just says, "This is Carolyn Couch or Johnson or whatever it is," and it just has her name and the word "city." Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. I guess she was well known enough that they could find her. Here's an envelope that says personal, and there's nothing inside. Nothing there personal. Nothing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did it wrong. <laughs> okay. Why do I hang out with you guys more? Slim nerds, and you love it. <laughs> yeah, this one I'm having a difficult time deciphering. It's some kind of receipt. Yeah. Uh, cash. Cash on hand, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. From James Couch. Oh, cash received from James Couch. This is... This looks like modern-day graffiti, like tagging. Oh, this is this is very uh, elegant calligraphy with lots of swoops and swirls and stuff. There's so many swoops and swirls that it's impossible. It's hard to tell where exactly the... Uh, where, where exactly the letter part of it is supposed to be. I'll be honest, you know what it kind of reminds me of? What? A roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of legal documents, people. That's what it is. That's, <laughs> it is. We're waiting That's, I'm not We've kidding. We've got bills of sale and uh, yeah, no, number and of and number of articles I had not seen about the couch tomb, too. Like yeah. vintage articles. The one from the 1960 that seems to show it was still metal bars and not the slab. That particularly fascinates you, me. You, you geek yeah, I, I geek out pretty hard over the little, the little details of that tomb. That's <laughs> well, you know, I hop the fence and demonstrate that it's welded shut <laughs> more nights than not. Maybe we should try try to climb through a roof at one point. No one report <laughs> us. You're saying that to the family member. <laughs> pro- who will probably join us? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, sometimes Thank I want. So, I mean, it's my relative, though. Yeah. I have some. Yeah, yeah. Have some exactly. Yeah. So, by all means, come with us. We'll climb to the top. We'll try to get inside there. We'll have an adventure. <laughs> It'll be just like the Goonies. You're, you're just like the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we're not a guy. Hopefully, with chunk. treasure. Yeah. yeah. I know. Uh, oh, there was treasure in the Goonies. Just, yeah. Just, no. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll also find treasure. Uh, or, not and not a stack of James Garfield commemorative spoons and a box of James Garfield laxative tea. But, but for those of you just joining us, or if we didn't get this part recorded properly, I actually went to Garfield's tomb where the recent spoon caper was that we talked about in the last podcast. And uh, yeah, they sh- they showed me the point of entry. They showed me where the spoons used to be. I had a great time. Hold on, this is the part you didn't mention earlier. They showed you where the spoons. <laughs> 
by a heavy wagon. He said he was crushed by a heavy wagon. Crushed by a heavy wagon. I figured it was a streetcar. Yeah. I know he was. I know he got run over. Uh, James Cowdriver's brother. Uh, one of the few guys who dies in his 90s of something other than natural causes, especially in the 1890s when people just didn't generally live that long. You know. Yes, I know. Don't. Uh, you're it not says. It says he was stepping onto a streetcar. Yeah. When he oh, okay. fell from the streetcar and a heavy truck wagon belonging to McGee Brothers, 204 Kinsey Street, and driven by Edwin McEwen, was close behind. It was close behind Mr. Couch, and before the team could be stopped, the heavy wagon had passed over the old gentleman. Ah. His left leg was crushed, and the fingers of his right hand cut off. Oh. Ouch. The injured man was taken to the Tremont house and tenderly placed upon an improvised couch <coughs> in the gentleman's parlor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just imagining the, what we consider gentleman's parlor to be uh, these days, and it's like, yeah, he was surrounded by strippers. Listen to this. Owing to the great age of the patient, it was inadvisable to resort to amputation, especially as Mr. Couch was in a state of utter collapse. Efforts were made to bring about a vigorous reaction by the subcutaneous injection of ammonia, brandy, and strychnine, but without avail. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I wonder what killed him. We got that. We got got that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when James Couch died, this is something that, that was, it gave papers a lot of chance to talk about the tomb in Lincoln Park and whether he was going to be put there. And according to the other article that we found in here, there was like a consultation of the family in the Tremont House saying, well, should we put him in the tomb? Whereas, you know, some of the park officials say there were no bodies in it by then. It was already sealed by then. Um, but a lot, a lot of conflicting accounts. We do have primary source data here saying that the family still thought there was. And mm-hmm. if they had taken it out in the 1880s, James should have said something about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if he hadn't, it was a surprise death. Um, but can anybody, is, is it ever really a surprise death when you die in your 90s, especially in the 1890s? Yeah, that's true. You know, he should have, yeah. like, mentioned something to the family or something if that tomb wasn't in use anymore. Or I think, a, yeah. Or, or if they knew that someone something. that they'd been moved, then they would it wouldn't have been a discussion. Here, yeah. here's, here's the reason why I know there's a body still in there. It's because you keep repeating you saying that the city officials are mentioning that, <laughs> the, city that the, the city officials are mentioning there's no bodies in there. The families are like, no, there is a body there. But the city officials aren't mentioning where the bodies were moved. Right. And that's the thing. It's and like, there we should know the be some records. They'd be in Rose Hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rose, the family plot is in Rose Hill Exactly. And, yeah. you, and you would be able to help us confirm exactly where it was. But it's like no one's, no one in this room is saying, yeah, they were there. It's like, we've, you know. we've gone to visit the family there well, yeah, occasionally. Well, but starting, you know, starting, with, there. starting with James, it was all. And it, it actually has Ira's name on one of the stones out there at Rose Hill. But there's no evidence that he was ever actually moved there. And we were looking at it we're uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's we the same there. Ira with the it's, birth it's and the death. Sa- yeah, the same Ira okay. with the birth and death. Which you did mention before. There's lots of Iras. Right. There's, there's, there's of yeah. There, well, there's no mention of on the on the uh, on the family plot of. We know his wife is there. I've seen I've seen the I've seen the probate file for that one. I had her locked up and she she got out. Yeah. Start starting with James in 1892. They were all buried out there. She's evil. But. Spawn of Satan, <laughs> that cat. This is the one we saw in the window when we were coming out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were walking by. Oh, I won't touch it. 
I yeah. can t- I can tell by the tail. Don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch the tail. If you must touch, just touch the head. Yeah. Don't touch the tail. You hear that, folks? Do not touch her cat. Don't touch the cat. Discovery made that large number are buried under Lincoln Pleasure Spot. <laughs> what? What? Park a tomb. Park a tomb for 150. <laughs> Paper Park. stuck in pigeonhole. Only record of last resting place of many Chicagoans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is getting better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I actually had somebody on my on my tour recently who worked at the Lincoln Park <laughs> Zoo. And she said, hey, you didn't mention all the bodies in the zoo. And I said, well, you tell me. Yeah, so how many bodies said, are uh, in the zoo? Who knows, but they seem to find them an awful lot there. Yeah, she, told really? me, she told me that every year they find bodies in the park. Yeah, don't even get me started on when they, when they put the grill enclosure and they found 30 bodies. Yeah. They, oh, my gosh. Yeah, when they were building that, and it's like, there was a big news story about, what was it, from 1978, 79, where it's like more bodies were found in Lincoln Park. And they, that's when they started going to the history of Lincoln Park being uh, a city cemetery. So, so yeah. the cemetery, now, um, Adam might know this better than I do. So we know, well, we know where the couch tomb is yeah. in Lincoln Park. As you're going north, you're hitting um, the Lincoln Park Zoo and up towards yeah, the cemetery. It, now, it, went, it, it went up through about Fullerton. All the way to, like, that whole yeah, from area a, from about from about north to Fullerton. And the, okay. in theory about, but with it, it, when, it seems like when they dig within a few block radius of it, they still seem to find more and more. Okay. So that's good to know. Theoretically, north of Fullerton. Yeah. Oh, Life in old Chicago. Jolly times with the pioneers. Many queer scenes witnessed in the log cabin <laughs> taverns. One of the society's full dress balls at the mayor. And uh, on the back of the paper you're holding up is this portrait of this guy in a top hat who looks like Mr. Potter, the meanest man in town. Oh my God, yeah. And, well, do you see who it is? Who is, is it? Zara Couch? Long John Wentworth. No. <laughs> the guy whose obelisk we kept looking for. No. Rose Hill. Former no. Mayor Long John Wentworth, member of the first hanging jury in Chicago. No. We the just did who, a podcast the, about him. <laughs> the guy who tore down the sands, all the all the brothels in the sands, limb from limb by himself. Or with or with his band of rowdies. We literally <laughs> just did a podcast about him. Yeah, we, we, went, we, were, we were trying to find his obelisk. Which I'm it's pretty like sure the largest the obelisk at Rose Hill Cemetery. But you couldn't has, find it? Yeah, you, there's, there's a lot of big there's ones There's a lot there. of large obelisks there. Um, Apparently there was a lot of guys who had a lot of pride. And not or, a lot, or, not a lot of yeah, sense. we've got uh, Judge <laughs> Camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now they got the big trucks, but back then, whoever had the biggest obelisk. See? <laughs> See? Had the most to compensate for. Can we keep her too? (laughs) We're keeping you. We're keeping you now too. (laughs) You are kept. You're part of the Scooby Gang. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna go. Okay. So all right. That would make me. Ah, great. I'm Scooby. Great. (laughs) Well, you are the hairiest. All right. (laughs) Although we do have a beautiful dog back here who's could be a good. She's very hairy. Yeah. Yeah. Much hairier than I am. Thank you for being here. And she's much more dog-like. Yes. Well, I think this is the rest of that article. Okay. Yeah. There's also an article attached to the same in the same page. Poison for arrow tips: How the Plute Indians prepared the deadly paste. Mm. Mm. A primer for poison. <sighs> With a. Jeez. Uh, Made from a, a dozen or more rattlesnake heads mixed with half a pint of a species of large red ants. Did they really measure out that half a pint? It says so. <laughs> I didn't know that me- they used the metric. <laughs> how do you, how do you, <laughs> how do you the- measure out a pint of red ants? 
Are they alive or dead? Do you count for the air between the two? But it's <laughs> but it's actually point. talking about how the Native Americans did this, and I'm just trying to figure out if they use that particular type of measuring <laughs> that system. Is, that is true. Yeah. Now this was uh, demonstrated of Frank Smith, who demonstrated how to do it. I'm sure he was very accurate. <laughs> I'm sure that he knew exactly what in he was his talking demonstration about. of the demonstration. Yeah, yeah, Frank Smith. There's a Plute Indian name if I ever heard one. <laughs> well, this is probably is. Um, do we have a date on that article? If it's a Tribune, I might be able to look it up. Uh, Sunday. I think it's the Sunday Herald, isn't it? Um, So those of you listening in at home, this is what we do, geek. This is this is us completely geeking out. When we find one of these oh, here, mythical trunks of stuff. No, okay, Herald. yeah, the Sunday. Okay, that there's, is the Sunday the Herald, the May May eleventh, eighteen ninety, Sunday Herald. Um, so yeah, if you want to go, if if you guys want to go see this article we're talking about, go down to the microfilm room down at the Herald Washington Library. They've got the Sunday Herald from eighteen nineties in there. Um, May eleventh. May eleventh. Jolly times with the pioneers. Jolly yeah. times with life in old Chicago. Yeah. Is it Apparently from still... 18, 1890, they're going to go back, what, they have what, about 60 years of history from when the city started? Yeah. <laughs> and any, anybody who showed up before about 1850 was considered a pioneer. Mm-hmm. And they would have, like, big gatherings and stuff. I know at uh, James Coucher's funeral, lots of the other pioneers showed up as well. I love how, like, you know, you're you're not actually doing air quotes, but your voice is kind of emphasizing yeah. air quotes. He's like, doing vocal oh, air quotes. Oh, a lot of the <laughs> pioneers yeah. would show up, and they would pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> when they were done deciding whether to ford the river or hire a ferry. 1915, Bryce or David. That's in our show! I know, that's, that's in your show! That, that's in, uh, that is in Where Are You, Carmen Sanbliego, the play that Hector and Aaron are in right I now. I totally missed the joke. Yeah, he goes, yeah. He goes when they were deciding whether or not to cross the river or ford it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always pay the five bucks for the ferry. Yeah. If it's or, less than two feet deep. If it's less than two feet deep. Then you can ford it uh, fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it's more than two feet deep, there. Higher ferry. Higher the ferry. Mm-hmm. I've learned that. I've played a lot of Oregon Trail yeah. already. Oh, okay, yeah, we got all the whole article is connected. Oh, except for this one. Right. Yeah. Right. Family nears 100 years in hotel work. Wow. Tribune, wow. 1935. The first hundred years are the hardest in the hotel business, as in other things. Or so young Jack Couch hopes. Or young Mr. Couch, assistant manager of the Drake, has started the hundredth year of his family's participation in the hotel business in Chicago. Couch's folly, they called it, when Ira Couch's, when Ira Couch, great-grandfather of young Jack, built the world-famous Tremont House on the northwest corner of Lake and Dearborn. That was in 1840, when Mr. Couch rebuilt his first hotel founded four years earlier. The new Tremont Hotel had 307 rooms with linen sheets on every bed. This amazed, or the amazed scoffers recounted, they predicted that the hotel would be an unprecedented failure, as such a, as such foolhardy notions justly deserved. Yeah. Coach Lindall. Now that's very interesting. What? Couch Lindall. There was a Couch Lindall marriage. 
My mother, when she remarried, okay. married a Lindahl, so it's like okay. very strange. I have to yeah. copy this and. So your families keep uh, interacting with each other. Oddly <laughs> enough, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Ira Couch, Mr. Ira Johnson Couch, a place in their, their daughter Mary Elizabeth. To Alfred N. Michael of London, England. Oh, and they're to wed and live in India. Hmm. Interesting. That was about 1930. Yeah. Your your family had debutantes and everything. Look at that. Yeah. Well, my my great aunt was a. She was actually she worked for a magazine and traveled around the world and like that. That picture up there is a brochure. Is a, actually a booklet from the um, first Art Deco exhibit oh, exhibition wow. in Paris. It's where, oh, wow. I guess where Art Deco got its name was from that exhibition. And that piece up there was one of hers from some one of her travels. It was a, a theater cover or something like that. I don't okay. know. My my other uh, my other uh, passion just geeked out right now because I love Art Deco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You geek out like all the time. Yeah, well right in this house, yeah, I can't stop geeking out right now. I'm geeking out so much that it's hurt, it's hurting my brain. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh. my, 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 my. Well, I wasn't ta- I, Mine. She was stabilizing. I it. about lost my hand right now when I tried to look at mine. That. He does have sharp teeth. He does. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting for me. I'm mostly wading through the legalese, looking for references to the tomb and who might be in there, and also uh, the name of the nephew who is apparently who apparently was placed in there. So I can, I can get the name of the six. I know the guy had seven kids. I can get the name of the six who survived. There was apparently another born some, born and died sometime in the 1860s. Let's hear the names. What? Let's hear the names. Franny, Nellie, Ira, Frederick, Martha. That's five. And... Caroline. Got to be a Caroline in there. Yeah, yeah there's, there's pretty much every family in the in the couch family tree has a Caroline and an Ira in it. And there were, I, I know that um, there were a few different stillborns born to uh, Carol and Ira's daughter. I assume they were all planned to be named either Carolyn or Ira. You know what? It's occurring to me right now. You said a male child was uh, placed there. Was it the oldest male child? Uh, don't think so. Because well, the reason why I said because there was already an Ira in there. It might have been. Yeah. Uh, the oldest, their oldest male child that I was uh, Frederick, who was born in 1860, and he was the one who told the, uh, he was the one who told the Tribune that there was a kid in there, in like 1939 when he was a much older man. Mm-hmm. But I heard his sister named Rachel. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. See, someone else stopped in there these two. Well, was there also a Caroline in there? Rachel somewhere? Couch, sister to have deceased. This is about Ira Couch's will. Gets 1000 per annum. Wow. 1000 per what? Per annum. annum. 1000 bucks a year. Maybe she's in the tomb. Maybe. Well, it depends on when she died. And how much she collected first. Yeah, for obelisk. I said it. She, she had an obelisk? I think she had an obelisk. See, ladies don't need obelisks. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless they're like, So whatever. this would be, when did he... He died 1857. So this this would be from 1857. 57 or 58, yeah. Because this is the Ira Couch will, the last will and testament of the late Ira Couch is being proven. 
Okay, yeah, that would have been... The real estate is to be held by them in trust for 20 years. At the end, that time is to be divided equally between Mrs. Elizabeth Couch, Carolyn Eliza Couch, daughter of the deceased, now about 12 years of age, James Couch, and Ira, his son. The income for 20 years is to be devoted to a judicious improvement of the real estate, except annuities as follow. And I think so, it's like uh, yeah, we we actually found some out. of those in there were they're mm -hmm. yeah they're yeah all, all of the yeah. paperwork in there is up as uh, it's such an incredible amount of paper here, dude. I know. Yeah, well, my my general thing when I go to the the to the archives or to the even in the newspaper archives is just take pictures of the screen, take pictures of everything, mm -hmm. and then I can make it into a PDF. Well, and at some can, point, this is all going to the Historical Society because yeah. it's just going to rot here. So right, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting scans of anything. I'm, get, I'm getting pretty you know readable pictures of anything, any anything that is, is not not every, not every telegram, but it's odd. Some of these things that are old, that the paper is so good, it's hard to tell that they're yeah yeah. Oh. This this thing from 1906 looks like something they might have handed me at my elementary school. The regular Democratic ticket for oh, President wow. Grover Cleveland. Cleveland. What? 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 Yeah. Regular Democratic ticket for President Grover Cleveland for Vice President Ellen G. Thurman. I'm not sure which year this was or if he, or if he won that year. So he was he'd served non consecutive terms. Monticello Senator. Yeah, and had one of the most badass wives. Ever in the White House. Yeah. She's the one that told the incoming president's wife, uh, well, we'll be back in four years. <laughs> like, yeah. Cleveland's wife was a badass. <laughs> oh, your family kept so many receipts and just all sorts of paperwork. Well, this is thanks to my mom who, you know, didn't just throw away all this old paper. Yeah. Um, I've got a receipt here from April 3rd, 1893. To apply on etching account as per agreement, $10. Stamp paid. What year is it from? 1893. 1893? Mm -hmm. let, me see, let me see the handwriting. Because this is from 1906, and this is actually legible. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, nothing else is legible except for receipts. Because yeah. you have to make sure. <laughs> yeah, insurance for the house at 4419 Ellis Avenue, where Ira's, I think Ira's wife was living there at the time of her death. No, the one at Ellis Avenue would have been... Um, that would have been their daughter. Okay. I think. It might, it might have, but she might have moved. It might have been like a the whole. The wife, because if there's there's some announcements of engagements where or the yeah. engagement party okay. was held at Mrs. Ira Couch's. Yeah. Address. And she might have had address. her mother living with her. Yeah. Too. That she lived a good long time. Yeah. Kind yeah, Carol. Yeah, Carolyn lived like forty years after her husband died. Hey guys, this is interesting. Uh, I just realized this now. No what? more coats. When does the coats come into play? Now and then it's an easy it's an easy job. Now and then somebody'll like forge a letter like a, a love letter between JFK and Marilyn Monroe and there'll be a zip code on it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet this is something that so. you would like here. Show me, show me. No. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I'm so grabby hands today, I'm sorry. You are. You're it starts with that whale. I'm just I just think that that might might so take you out. That's the house at forty four nineteen. 
Oh, there's the house at 4419 Ellis Avenue. Yeah, uh, realtor.com. Oh, that's beautiful. Found a picture of it. It's a gorgeous Victorian graystone. Yeah, I think they I think they had it built. Yeah, probably. And then um, mm -hmm. it looks like about an 1880s kind of house for the looks of it. I think that's that sounds about right from the uh, paperwork in here. Now those are yeah. in the pages before the couch estate, mm -hmm. so I don't know if they're chronological or not. But that isn't it. <laughs> All right. That whale, the biting air of yesterday did not prevent over 500 people from journeying to the exposition to gaze upon the relative of Jonah's friend, or what was left of him. Now lying upon two railroad trucks in the north end of that building. So, it's so, so dramatic. It's like, oh my God. So, Hector, you are the one who's afraid of whales, and you're reading a story about people <laughs> traveling. I, I have xenophobia. That's a, that's a, that's I, I did not know this. I yeah, just thought that it was yeah. an interesting thing it's, about it's, whales. It's, 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 it's a dead whale. He's, so. yeah. he's, reading, he's reading about this whale, and I'm like, and he's got it's such a fear of whales. And it's been dead for over 100 years. I will have no man yeah. in my boat who is not afraid of a whale. Yeah. You gotta respect them. You, they can accidentally swallow you, and they don't even like you. Yeah. Wow, this is... This is it, Articles back then were so dramatic. Nowadays, it's like general information. A shooting happened on West 53rd Street on, on 7 a.m. this morning. And that's the article. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just well, facts, also man. The other Just article on the page is about some crime. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at that. The greatest criminal cases. Yeah? Yeah. Who's, who's it talking about? Uh, Charles D. Bobbler. Not ringing a bell. Go ahead. It's all okay. Your, that one's yeah. all yours. The whale one was the greatest mine. Greatest of criminal cases. This is something to do. This is outside of my jurisdiction, I think. <laughs> uh, John W. Webster from Harvard University. I've heard of this. I don't know what mm -hmm. it's doing in the book. Yeah. It's part of I've heard of this. Some of the, somebody saved. Apparently, was significant to your mom or your grandma. Mm -hmm. Great grandma. Chicago exhibition. We have a lot of papers and stuff. Well, not a lot, but a small collection. Yeah. Of. Uh, the, the 1893 exposition? Yeah. yeah. I, I occasionally get, I, I know people who would so geek out over that as well. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a huge fair person. I, I, I do tours of what's left of the fairgrounds sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I actually get people on my tours now and then who remember the 1933 World's Fair. They're, they're pretty old now. They were little kids at the time. They all remembered the two exact same things. They all remember puking on the midway. Apparently there was some kind of donut for sale on the midway that kids would eat too much of and puke, and they all remember their, <laughs> and they all remember their fathers got in trouble for going to see Sally Rand of the Fan Dancer, the woman who danced just holding up a couple of strategically placed feathers, mm -hmm. and you can, you can actually get film footage of her doing that. She was like YouTube. in her seventies when she did. That. Yeah, she was still doing it well, like... well into her seventies. Yep. Um, there's yeah, there's, there's no film footage of the 1893 fair. The first film in Chicago was a few years after that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they have an <laughs> um, exhibit at the Field Museum right now about the 1893 fair that I'd like to see at some point. Yeah. You looked at me like I'm going to take you or something. No. That is not going to be the case at all. You no, are I out was, of luck. Look at Chumas, yeah, Chumas Cero. Looking through some of these, so it talking. helps us put together what, what sure. it's actually been, what it's actually saying. Um, what it's actually saying in some of the handwriting. Here's a little thing without a. Uh, here's a little a thing without a date on it, talking about. 
Uh, of the other bodies still in Lincoln Park, aside from those in burying places mentioned, the location of four members of the Couch family is the only conspicuous one. Um, recently, the Chicago Historic Society is... This spoon thing, you know, circling back to the spoon. Yeah, first circle back to spoon. Yeah. We might as well circle back to all the spoons. But that's a good spoon. We used to fight over who got to eat their cereal with the buffalo spoon. <laughs> <laughs> you took this to the Antiques Roadshow? No. <laughs> what is this? It's a commemorative spoon. Oh, yeah, I've got I a would, few. I've, I've, I would I've say been... commemorative spoons of Antiques Roadshow probably since they were mass-produced for... Oh yeah, I got I got one of the James Garfield's ones that was stolen, not one of the actual ones that they took from the tomb with the same kind of spoon. I got it for on eBay for ninety nine cents. Yeah. Oh. And now I'm gonna like hide it inside of the couch too one of these days. So, can, <laughs> so you know, just slide under halfway under the door on the you know, seven o'clock tour, then come home, then you know, on the ten o'clock door, I'm like, look what I found. I should specify that this gets buried with me, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Let's uh, let's go ahead and say that right now. For those of you listening, right, you know, yeah. we, we, we have to make sure that we're all buried with adequate supplies of flatware because eating brains with your fingers is just not classy. It's and, not classy at all. Oh. And, and really, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, in for a dig. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm using a knife and a fork for my brains. Don't give me that look. <laughs> yeah, this is, I think, the, the one that you emailed me initially, I think, is, is really... I, I think this is probably from the Chicago Daily Interocean. I'm just guessing by the font. The Daily Interocean is one of our better papers back in the day. Um, particularly if you want to look up AGH Homestuff, they're, they're the source that you want to go for is the Interocean. Are they the ones that, who, would, uh, who would glamorize it? No, they didn't glamorize it too much. And that's part of why they're, part of why they're good. If you want to glamorize it, go read the Chicago Mail. Where they, like, they had like a giant, what well, the better the headline says, Dastard. <laughs> Next week, the banner headline is Fiends. <laughs> and then after three weeks, they decided, ah, oh, this is all nonsense. <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, like with a lot of the tabloid papers, you know, they're, they're, inter they're more entertaining to read now. Yeah. And the terrible information, but they also have the best pictures. They always had better pictures than everybody, more uh, drawings from, made from life. Yeah, the real find is this one, not in Lincoln Park, from when James Couch died. Mentioning, uh, well, they asked William H. Wood, the executor of the the guy who came out ahead, I think, in the uh, in the giant lawsuit, who was a brother-in-law of Ira and apparently had his kid in there. That he doesn't mention here, but asked by, but he says the the tomb was too valuable to remove. However, so much the board might have desired to do so. Besides, it was an ornament to the park with its massive masonry. There was no dispute about it. By a tacit understanding between James Couch and the board, it was allowed to remain undisturbed. But none of the other members of the family will be buried there. Of the couch, uh, whoever of the couch family are in the tomb now? Let me see. There is Ira Couch and his father and his mother and his wife and two children. I think they were placed there long before the cemetery was converted into a park. Now, what's interesting here is the two children, Ira Couch Johnson, also mentioned in 1911. Those are probably the two stillborns. Mm -hmm. um, the weird thing is that he mentions Ira Couch and his father and his mother and his wife. His wife was not even dead yet at this point. She was actually still alive up there on Ellis Avenue. So I'm, I'm guessing uh, the plan was to put her body in there when she passed away. And he just mentioned it so they could make Possibly, sure. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Sure, certainly yeah. she was never put there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then they talk about, 
Robert Fergus, the printer over on Illinois Street, knew James Couch. They were young men together and doubtless shied stones at the mockingbirds in the tall grass a furlong or two away from the Tremont house in the days when Clark Street was an Indian trail. That was a long time ago. It was in the time when Chicagoans used to jolly up every sailor that touched land here and solicitously inquire, how many people are in Milwaukee just now? And he mentions, um... And they, they ask him about the tomb as well. He says... Uh, Ira Couch died in 1845 and was buried in the family tomb in Lincoln Park. That's not correct. Which That's like 12 years off. Which, until the park commissioner's secured control, was a public cemetery. The tomb was undisturbed when the ground was converted into a park, chiefly for the reason that it was looked upon as a worthy citizen's mausoleum. I think there is only one body in it, adds Fergus. In fact, I am sure of it, for I remember having peered through the iron bars and seen but one coffin resting on the slab. Now, this is something that I've always wondered is, you know, it's generally said that there were notches in the wall plus, like, one slab in the middle where Ira mm-hmm. was going, is usually those notches would be covered up with slabs uh, after the coffin was placed there. It's not like... So you would only see one. So you, you, you would, would only, only see, see one. one. Um, like, you know that the, the Zeffirelli version of Romeo and Juliet where all the Capulets are just rotting away on their individual slabs? No coffins or anything, they're just kind of set them there? And we're, they're all in remarkably good shape, too. Hmm. Well, considering. They should just be dust. What, what was the tradition in that time of stillbirth, with stillbirths? Did they, did I'm not really sure. I, I know that they died unnamed. That's what he mentioned. That's what Ira Couch Johnson, or Ira Johnson Couch, depending on which year it was. Um, that's what he mentioned in his proof of airship testimony in uh, Carolyn Couch's probate file. And he mentioned that they died unnamed. They, they, uh, it was either stillborn or died shortly after birth and were never given names. I assume they were either planned to be Ira or Caroline. <laughs> um, possibly every, possibly over and over again. Right. And people at the time, of course, were not very shy. If you had a kid named Ira who died, you might name your next kid Ira instead. Yeah, and we talked about it that there for the Italian Bride uh, Oh, yeah, the Italian yeah. Bride podcast. Yeah, we talked about um, that as well. Yeah. And Callbacks! George Foreman. Oh, George Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, George Foreman. And there's, there's another thing in this particular article earlier on that I thought, let's see. <laughs> Uncle Phil Horry was an auction. 1855, the cemetery, uh, How now the park was so crowded that land further north was thrown open for burial purposes. I auctioned off the lots and many bought for no one thought the land would ever be used for a park. Then, when the change was made several years later, the owners of the lots were given lots in new cemeteries of Rose Hill and Graceland. But Ira Couch, brother of old Jimmy, refused to move. He said he had purchased the ground for the graves of himself and his family and proposed to keep it. He built a fine tomb that stands there now and said it would not disfigure the look of the park anyhow. I think he was right, for it certainly doesn't detract from the, from the appearance of the park. The park board was determined to remove it, and the Couch family fought them by injunction. Finally, it was settled. Each agree, and then the... Um, the end of the paper is cut off. But this is interesting. He says that Ira personally built it himself. It wasn't built until a year after he died. So Maybe they, they propped up the, uh, the sarcophagus to make sure that... Yeah, I'm not really sure where he was in, in between, exactly. So that, that's, that's one good reason to think he was in the Fisk Metallic Burial Case, the uh, really ornate metal sarcophagus with a viewing window over the face. He was, he was, he was in. Yeah, and they were. It was a hundred dollar coffin, but that was a seven thousand dollar tomb. And he probably planned it yeah. before he died. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, difficult to say. So many conflicting sources on these things. How does one talk about the fact that they're building a tomb to their families? It's like, hey, guys, I have this great idea. I'm going to build this thing that we're all going to get buried in. Yeah. Um, yeah it's much more... Well, you ever see, yeah, you know, yeah. Roland Burris, our former senator? His tomb is already built. I forget which park he's in, but it's really an elaborate one with all of his accomplishments are already carved onto it. Isn't he nearby? Uh, somewhere around here, yeah. But yet one can go into death at that point. Oh, yeah, Victorians I mean, were... You know, the, the hair and... Yeah, and there were so many more photographs of the, the dead bodies. Yeah. With the dead body, you know, yeah. yeah. And the post-mortem totally photography. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You don't see as much of that anymore. I went to a flea market. Yeah. I Last chance to get a photograph. All of them. I yeah. just about ran out of the building. Yeah, I would have bought every single one of them. Oh. Some of us, you know, there was never a photograph. This is the last chance to get a photograph yeah. of a person. And the whole thing, they were very still. Yeah. 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 You know, they weren't, you know, <laughs> they didn't have to, you know, watch the birdie. <laughs> uh, watch the birdie. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Put the head in a brace. Yeah. When they took those pictures, they'd actually be braced so mm. they wouldn't move. Yeah. And it would usually tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or have the eyes open. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah you, some you of can, those that you see, you can tell. You're like, well, that person's not alive, yeah. although they are. I'm not very, I'm not very good at being able to tell myself. Yeah, uh, I, th- I see. You know, you go down to a Mount Carmel, and there's all the uh, graves with pictures on them. They all look like they're dead to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they are dead now. Well, yeah, but I mean, they look like they were dead at the time the, the photo. photograph was yeah. taken. Then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The porcelain disc that they've been oh, fired yeah. onto. You see a lot of yeah. them. Some of them were. Before they died, and some of them were from after. Yeah, most, most of them. Usually, when I consult with people who know better than I, they say, "Yeah, they're they're too alert to be dead." I don't. I can't. They're too those. alert to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> only to, you only have to be a tiny bit alert. You know. <laughs> Usually, yeah. Sometimes well, except are, well, yeah. Well, there's the famous Italian bride case that actually says this is from six years later yeah. over at Mount Carmel. Yeah, they have her wedding photo, and then they have the photo of her after they dug her up six years after she died. In her wedding dress. Mm. Yeah, she's buried yeah, in her wedding dress as well. Yeah. And not, no change. Yeah, she's impre- well, her, her, well, you know, her, what you can see of her arm is really yeah, kind of gross. We're not really sure. This is one of our other podcasts, another one of my research projects. And I got I got in touch with the, you know, it's been rumors at it for years that the mother was having nightmares and spent years trying to get the body exhumed. And like exactly the, the circumstances of the exhumation are not really known, but we did find out, according to the family, yeah, the mother started having nightmares after they moved away. Uh, used her one of her son's money to fund an exhumation and spent like ten thousand dollars building this elaborate new monument after they found out she was really pretty well preserved after six years. Why was she buried in a wedding dress? It was her nice dress. She died in childbirth about almost exactly nine months after the wedding. Uh, one of the stories that goes around about her is that yeah, one of the stories that goes around about her is that she died a virgin on her wedding night. No, it's uh, exact almost exactly nine months after what we can assume was a pretty eventful wedding night. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we, we were able to get to, so we, yeah we were able to get some photographs of her mother and everything and some stories about her. My fa- my favorite story to come out of that is um, there's the the picture of uh, Philomena the mother standing there with the baby about the time that Julia was exhumed. She's baby with little baby Flora who just died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And the Flora baby, the baby lived. the uh, the other baby this would have been her other granddaughter her other uh, her granddaughter. Um, 
This was a different one. Um, yeah, she said, well, you know, when she was a little kid in California, she used to have to share a bedroom with Philomena, her grandmother, who was, you know, the, the classic stereotype of the old Italian grandmother. She said she would wake up at three in the morning and Philomena would be shouting the rosary over and over and she would wake up and say, shut up, Nana! <laughs> that's, that's, that's my favorite part of the story right there. <laughs> Isn't, uh, I remember you mentioning somebody uh, related to the family who is currently a coach in um, Florida. Well, he's, he's long since retired. But, well, here's the, here's the, the other thing is that the, uh, yeah, the, the baby was a stillborn. Mm-hmm. Her husband eventually remarried and had another baby of the same name. Oh, that's right. And that that's that guy, right. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. I, all, all I've got is a, a physical address. You know, he's an old, he's an old retiree in Florida now. But he's got a physical address. I haven't written to him. Maybe I should. Maybe you should. Yeah. Well, while he's still around, yeah, probably. Yeah, because look how much we're geeking out here. Right. <laughs> it's it's always worth this a shot is, on these is, things. Is, yeah, us. I think this I think is today is I think today is convincing me this is when I I, I I I might as well write to that. He might not even know his father was married before. In fact, it's likely that he doesn't. I bet I better we better and, start. You know, it's just weird how little now. sometimes people know about their families, and mm-hmm. but. All right, I think we should wrap this one up. Rachel, thank you so much for letting us come and yes. geek out with all of this stuff. <laughs> yes. and, thank, and thank you for hanging out <laughs> with us. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, it's usually just us and somebody going, um, okay. Uh, when we go to these things, yeah. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast and sharing all of this fantastic stuff with us. Uh, yeah, photograph of the, from the 1970s of the couch. And that's a new one to put in circulation for sure. So thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back soon. You know, I think I think next time we should go someplace that's not related to graveyards. Ah, okay, that might be good. Yeah, we're actually not in a graveyard for the first time in several podcasts right now. <laughs> They're true. just the easiest places for us to get in and wander around, and without you know doing the whole ghost hunting. Are there any spirits here? Thing that always makes me feel kind of foolish, personally. Yeah. <laughs> But, well, well, you don't. <laughs> yeah, You're the one waving the rocks around. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm, the one that's, I'm the one that's going to Bachelor's Grove and throwing a piece of coal back. That's yeah, right. Yeah, like waving your pendulum. Yeah. Ironically, you are the one wearing the Ghostbusters t shirt right now. <laughs> All right, thank you guys very much, Chicago Unbelievable. Good night. Your All right, folks, you can find out more at MysteriousChicagoBlog.com, of course. If you find yourself on a ghost tour with some guy insisting there was an Indian burial ground where Hull House is now, the devil baby was real, and every orb is a ghost, you just tell him he's a fake, and he doesn't know the territory. <laughs>